You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Bilyeu, serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the billion-dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of After Impact Live. I am your host, Tom Bilyeu, and I am here with none other than Agent Smith. Mr. Bilyeu. Welcome How's to the show. Good, man. I am very excited about this episode. I'm I a total freak for David Eagleman. Um, re-watching this. his episode, <laughs> enjoyed as much as I enjoyed recording it. He really is fun for me, man. That, he's like a glimpse inside what I find utterly fascinating. Yeah, I know so, this was a big one for you. This was, yeah. And really, I think you find most interesting the uh, the, the neuroscientists I and, do. and researchers who come I on do. our show. I really do. You love I, it. Yeah. Because there's something about studying the brain that empowers me, liberates me, fascinates me. Um, it is utterly, utterly interesting. And I had, so, um, on the board of the X prize, he, so Peter's oftentimes, Peter Diamandis is oftentimes inviting people he finds fascinating just to come and like, check it out. So at an event, a lot of times you'll have people like David there. And it was one of those where I don't think anybody knew who he was, but me and oh, my friend, I knew who he was. Yeah. So I like beeline to him and it's like, oh, is this seat taken? (laughs) And like, I literally, I was like, uh, like a, a teenager sitting next to a beetle all night. And yeah. I just like, yeah, I was picking his and brain. You didn't the whole scare time. him away, which is literally, do you know show. what kind of like <laughs> self control that took? I was like, don't act like a psycho. Don't act like yeah, a psycho. Yeah. Don't be a stalker. So yeah, I had to keep myself in check. But it is funny how, you know, for anybody, it's like whatever in your world, like who's the person who's interesting, fascinating, right. famous, whatever. And so for me, it was like, Oh my God, that's David Eagleman. That's the guy yeah. that wrote Incognito. Like, I can't believe I'm sitting here talking to him. Well, it so, was, it was a fun episode. It was fun watching you guys, uh, you guys chat. Nice, definitely. Okay, let's kick it off here. Yes, um, first question. So the thing, so you, there's a quote from the episode that you wrote down and I wrote down. And if I were reading in a book, I would have underlined it. Hmm. It is science is really an understanding of the vastness of our ignorance. Yeah, hit me really hard. I love that quote. Yeah, no kidding. I found that interesting. So if I remember right, the question that I asked him was something like, what draws you to science? What, what, why are you interested? And that was his answer that, you know, for a lot of people, it's, um, he said, I'm not interested in telling people what they don't know or where they're wrong. That's what he said. I'm not interested in telling people where they're wrong. Like I'm interested in, in that part of, of it. And he said, you know, from the outside, it looks like scientists really have it all figured out and that there's really no big questions left to answer. And he said, once you get in science, he said, you just realize like how little we actually understand and that mm-hmm. the, you know, there's this huge world. And it's funny because I was talking to Dr. Drew about that yesterday yeah. in the episode. So we filmed Dr. Drew yesterday. It was awesome. I had so much fun with him. But on this question, he takes a, a very different approach, not approach, but he has a, a different feeling. And he was saying that the things that he doesn't understand actually are a bit overwhelming for him. And Mm. so his awe is derived from the things that we do understand. Whereas I'm the exact opposite. Like Mm. I find the awe in the unknown. I I am humbled by, excited by, um, fascinated by all of the things that we don't know. And so that was something that really, really resonated with me. And I think that from just like the human standpoint of what should you be cultivating in yourself, 
I think an enthusiasm for the things that we don't know is the right place to start. Um, Curiosity. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. In fact, one of the things that I find most intoxicating in another human being is curiosity. Like when they're just, when they're curious and excitable, yeah. like those are two qualities that I'm immediately drawn to. And how about transferring this over into a business context? So the unknown can actually be very overwhelming mm. and um, fear inducing in a business context. Let's say you're trying to um, hit your sales goals or... Right. You know, make sure that the company culture is in a good place. Mm. Um, so how do you, is, should you be cultivating that same sort of mentality in a business context? Man, are you ready for a, a complicated answer? Uh, yeah, I love complicated answers. All right, so here, here's the truth. One of the things that I have cultivated in my own personality is the sense that at nothing is performance and everything is practice. So... I don't live in crippling fear of a business failing or of looking stupid or anything like that. So for me, um, I want success and I'm willing to work really hard for it. And I'm my whole phrase, I'm willing to break myself in half to achieve something. But in all of that, like I never see any one thing as the final moment. I never see any one thing as like the game is about to end and if I'm not winning now, then I'm just not winning. Like it's infinite for me and my obsession with living forever means that there is no finish line. Yeah. So I've literally tried to remove the finish line from my life. There's no concept of ever completing something. So, you know, I'm a big believer in Phil Jackson's notion, things come together, things fall apart. So because of that, I know there are going to be times where you're winning, there's going to be times where you're losing. And so to be overly obsessed with that is to me crazy. And losing for me is A, it's temporary, and it's simply an opportunity to figure out what is it that I don't understand? What is it that I'm not able to execute against? Where have I made a foundational mistake that I need to now go back, repair, rebuild, start over, build something a new way, whatever, mm -hmm. I'm always trying to look at it from the perspective of that, that there's something profound to be learned in here. And if the business crumbles, it crumbles and I can always rebuild. That's why the only things that scare me are brain damage and losing my wife, right? Those are things that I don't see a way back from. So anything else, like you can fight and claw your way back and refigure it out and and I find that really, really interesting. And something, you know, for anybody who follows, follows Gary Vaynerchuk, the most interesting thing to me that he says is this really cocky, it is so cocky and I love it, where he's like, I kind of hope one day I lose everything so I can show people I can build it back. I've heard right? him say that, yeah. And it's like, I love that. I yeah. love that because if you're thinking like that, where you don't have a crippling fear of something failing and going wrong, and you have enough the arrogance of belief in yourself that you can figure it out, that you can re-execute, you can rebuild this stuff back up, then you can find the awe in the unknown. You can find the like, you can be filled with a sense of wonder at just, I have to figure this out, right? There's something in here, oh shit, like this is an opportunity for me to recognize there's something in here I don't understand. There's something in here that I don't know. I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna figure out this piece of knowledge. I'm gonna add it to my arsenal and I'm gonna become that much more impervious in the future. Like I love that so much now that doesn't mean I'd, I'd get freaked out like if things were going wrong here and I had like pressure and it's like oh my god like we're gonna lose the um the company or fuck like we're gonna go broke whatever right like it would be a moment of fear it would be a moment of stress and anxiety no question mm -hmm. but I would deal with that by reminding myself this is all practice it's not performance 
and things come together, things fall apart, and I'm going to do my best, I'm going to rebuild, and I have faith in myself, and I have the arrogance of belief to know that I can rebuild that skill set. And in just refocusing on that, you'll keep moving forward. And would you, would you agree that once you, uh, once you get to that level where you're, where you're no longer afraid, where you're, now it's exciting to you, and you know that you can rebuild, the fear has been removed, would you agree that you're actually even more unstoppable then, that you're kind of accessing a different gear? No question. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's, that's ironic, right? Super ironic. And so here's one of the things about it, people that take grand adventures in their life, whatever that may be, starting a company, moving away from home, studying abroad. They say that the people that do that usually have the strongest like root system, the strongest home life. So the people with like one of the reasons that I've been able to take the kind of risks that I've taken in my life is because of Lisa. And because I have her and I have that support system. And I remember like in our diciest of times where it was like, are we ever going to find success? Are we going to be broke forever? Like, what is, what does that really look like? I thought my worst case scenario, the whole world may hate me, but this woman loves me, right? The whole world may be burning down around me, but I have this relationship. So it was like, if that's the worst things ever get, like I'm okay with that. And one of my things is to always look at the worst case scenario, which normally people lie to themselves about the worst case scenario. But if you can really be honest about the worst case scenario, which is usually pretty catastrophic, yeah. but if you can really look at the worst case scenario and say, I'm okay with that. It's not great. I'm not rushing towards it, but I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, then you're able to, to really roll the dice and get out there. So got to have that, that strong base. That's crazy. It's, it's great. I love it. Um, I'm just, we've had several neuroscientists on the show now. Mm. Why do you think it is so many of them who've come on the show are also so deeply interested in the arts, the humanities, poetry, music? I mean, V.S. Ramachandran, he's quoting Shakespeare. Mm. Jimmy Wheel was quoting Yeats. Um, David Eagleman has written fiction. Yeah. What, what is it? Dr. Drew yesterday was talking about, um, he was quoting Aristotle, and he's yeah. deep in philosophy, and he's was an opera singer at one point. Yeah. Like, what is that? What's going on there? So I'm going to have to, I don't have an answer. I've never thought about that before. It's utterly fascinating to me. Why is that? Um, I think what draws them to the brain is the sense of wonder. Because you don't turn to the brain, I think most people, you don't turn to the brain because it's a... Um, some people might, but I don't think most people turn to it because it's a sense of pain. Um, it's not like the guy who has arthritis who you know wants to study joints and all of that to alleviate the pain. It's, it is the most complicated thing in the universe. Mm-hmm. It's so vast and currently unknowable, and yet every small thing that you learn about it is more fascinating than the one that came before it. And that feeling you get of awe, of joy of excitement are all the things that art elicits yeah and i'm gonna give you oh god this is embarrassing but true it's gonna give you maybe a mild glimpse into my psyche or be tmi going to um art exhibits for me is a low form of sexuality like that art actually yeah. turns me on. And it's like, I often wonder like, is it uh, cross wiring? Is it like a bizarre mild form of synesthesia or is it actually just, it's so like heightens my emotions and each, you know, especially visual art for me, not necessarily abstract, but like paintings, like of things um, like that to me is, is, is so stimulating emotionally that it gets confused with the same way that I feel about sex. Mm. So 
I remember in the early days, because my wife is very much not like that, which is fascinating because she is such a talented She's artist. An amazing oh my artist. God. So yeah. it is. That Did is I ever tell you that at 19, I said I will either marry somebody who can sing or draw? Yeah. So yeah. I just, I am so turned on by that talent that that just wasn't a mystery to me. So I used to drag her to museums and stuff because for me, it was like, it was, you know, basically foreplay. And I'm like looking at her, like waiting for that, you know, reaction. And she's like, <laughs> so it was such a disconnect. But yeah, so I remember went through artist a phase. Artist foreplay. You've right? Heard, you heard it here first. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, you really want to get into artist foreplay. So when I was working at Awareness Technologies and my wife did not have a job, she was taking her art very, very seriously. And so I would come home every day and she would have been working on some masterwork. And I would just, I couldn't wait to get home to see like what she had done. And it was such a turn on, that's such cool. a turn on. So that's my guess is it, it, it's that same level of heightened excitement of um, what it, is it all? Like when you hear a song lyric and it gives you the chills or you look at a painting and it captures something like my um, Jordan the Flu game, how it's one still frame. And yet all this stuff comes rushing at me about yeah. what it means and my identity and how it's tied up in that. And one of the things that I really hope we're able to um, capture and further in the art that we will eventually create at Impact Theory is illusions. Not, not illusions, allusions. With an right? A. So exactly. Yeah. Like literary allusions are where a whole universe of stuff comes rushing in on that thing because it references it, right. right? So when you watch The Matrix and you realize this is basically the Bible, right? Um, it's like, whoa, like all of those allusions come crashing together and it's in, you know, an hour and whatever, 50 minutes that the movie is, there's like this whole universe of religious thought and imagery and all this stuff that just comes together and it becomes this, it's such a, a, a total intellect experience, yeah. emotion and ideology, and it's just incredible. I got to ask, if you were in Einstein's dream mm -hmm. and you had, wait, that, that's the book where you can live forever, right? That's one of the short stories. Of the short there, stories. Yeah. All right. And you're living forever. Um, is one of the things that you would master after impacting the world with, through commerce and after being a filmmaker, would it be the brain? Would you become a no, researcher? There, yeah, 100%. Yeah. So there are a few things that, that I know I would do. That's one. And then... Um, Call it theoretical physics, mm -hmm. um, cosmology. Uh, that to me, like thinking at that grand of a scale, is is utterly fascinating. Yeah. Time and what that means and what it implies. Like, yeah, awesome. All right, I want to pull a question from our Facebook Live audience. Let's do it. So this is from joe cross he says what impact theories play for capitalizing on eagleman's upcoming sixth sense Same so I, the sixth sense i think he's talking about and joe if you're still listening if you could add some detail here i think he's talking about how david he has the vest that he's yep. rolling what out. was the beginning of that question something about impact theory impact is does impact theory have a play for capitalizing on david eagleman's oh, upcoming no. sixth sense yeah. Just break it down for you. Nice and simple. Yeah. Not even a little bit. Um, not that I'm not interested. I think it's utterly fascinating, but um, haven't even begun to think about that. And, and he said something in the episode where um, he said, it's never going to catch on brain implants and all that. Um, I think he's wrong about that. And I think that that is our future. And mm -hmm. I think that 
A, it's already happening, so let's start with that. Yes. When does it become just de rigueur? I'm going to give it in less than 40 years, pretty much everyone will have some sort of wow. implant. For pretty sure. Pretty much everyone. Yeah. Like 80%, 90%. You, you will have to to keep up. For sure. Yeah. Plus, because of the machines, you'll have to... That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, everyone thinks machines are going to take over. They're not going to take over. We're, we will... People just won't let, let it happen. We're too jealous. So you will uh, begin to, as, as robots gain more general intelligence, because they can already beat us at, at any, like, not any one specific thing, but you can take, like, as long as it only has to be chess or go or, you know, something yeah. that has very structured rules, they're always going to beat us at that. Um, so that's already happening. But they're terrible at general intelligence. As they get better and better at general intelligence, watch. You will get people that it's like, okay, well, we can already give somebody vision. You can already give somebody hearing. Um, what happens when you can start doing things like what David Eagleman is doing with the vest, but you start Im implanting it? Um, and you can see an infrared. You can feel electrical fields. Um, you can read the stock market or... Mm -hmm. There's this black box. I, I'm definitely at the edge of, of what I understand, but there's like this black mystery box somewhere that every now and then it, and I, don't, I forget what it's picking up on. What they tell you it's picking up on is sort of the, the general vibe of the world. And every now and then it'll blip. And then they found that those blips correspond with major catastrophes. The tsunami, 9-11, uh, yeah. Now, whether or not my gut instinct is if you really look at it, there's like all kinds of weird little things. And then when something happens, you sort of retrospectively go, eh. yeah. oh, that, that was a big blip. But if nothing had happened, you would have said, oh, that was nothing. Um, so it's probably horseshit. But it's like that kind of thing, like as we get better at actually building devices that can detect that kind of stuff. Like again, with Dr. Drew, what he's talking about where you do sync up with somebody and the easiest one that I think is pretty non-controversial, if you put women in a house, their periods will all regulate and they'll all be on their period sure. at the same time. So obviously they're picking up on something. Um, you definitely can feel something when somebody's off, like whether it's just mm -hmm. the way that they're carrying themselves, their facial expression, whatever, you get the vibe from somebody. So if everyone is giving off a vibe that you can pick up on, yeah. if you can look at them and see them, clearly there's something that they're giving off. And so is there a device in the future where we could begin to interpret this stuff and then jack it in in a way that becomes truly um, interpretable? That That's really his thing is talking about the vest sure and i think that ultimately you could plug it into the brain you know that there are already monkeys right now that can control robotic arms with their mind right <laughs> no you just, this is real you just melted my brain really bit. no yeah, no no for sure so what they do is they pin the monkey's real arm behind uh -huh. its back they've implanted electrodes which i know you're not going to love but they've <laughs> implanted electrodes and the monkeys just think like i want that grape and the robotic arm <laughs> reaches out it's crazy I don't know dude that's funny to me it's crazy i'm, I'm telling you this stuff is already that. real yeah. so i'm i'm being hyper conservative to say that 40 years it's probably less it's just that's mass adoption but now you want to get really crazy and i think this is one of the notes that i took and i can't remember exactly what i wrote but it's oh it was about where he said um there's i said uh so the vest can give essentially hearing to deaf people right. by translating um, words into vibration patterns that are consistent. So the word cat would always be one vibration pattern, the word dog, so on and so forth. And he said, and I said, do they like it? Or is it just like a cacophony where they can't make any sense of it? And he said, well, there's a subset of deaf people that actively are not looking for a solution. Yep. And so they hate it. And that one, I wish I, it didn't hit me on set when he said it. 
But re-watching it, that, that caught my attention even more than the vest. That Why? Because you've read foreign, Fahrenheit 451, right? Yeah. Okay, so in that um, dystopian future where I have totally modded myself, you refuse to mod yourself and you live out in the woods, right? That's on yeah. brand for you. It's on brand for me. Like, <laughs> we both know that's what's going to yeah, happen. We'll see. We'll see. And, but yeah, more than likely I'm going to live in the woods. Right? We'll, so yeah. some people are going to say, okay, no way. Like yeah. it's about sort of the purity of the human experience yeah. and like, let's not be ridiculous. And so those two factions will arise because that's a human thing. Like that's a trait that though the, I haven't thought enough about it to know where that springs forth from, but it is self evident to me that in anything you will have people who love it and then people who hate it and whether mm-hmm. it's just, it's popular. And so I reject it because it's popular or like you initially rejected Facebook because it was elitist. I felt right? it was at the time. Yeah. 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 So there, that's like, you're always going to have stuff like that. And so the fact that there are even deaf people who say, not only is this not a hindrance, I don't want a solution. This is part of my identity. This is part of who I am. They yeah. have worked so hard to not view themselves as handicapped that it's become part of their identity mm-hmm. to have that. And in their minds, is actually better, beneficial, and not something that they want to change. So as we begin to modernize, Do you think that's a, a justifiable stance? I think it's madness. Mm-hmm. It is madness. And that is where identity begins to work against you. Because if you said, hey, Tom, um, I've got this thing that's going to let you read electrical fields. Okay. Obviously. Like if I can if I can make use of it and do something with it, of course I want it. Uh, heat fields. Yep. Like slather them on. The only time <laughs> I'm going to stop you is if it becomes like problematic, right? right? If it begins to mess with me in some way and begin to damage my ability to find happiness, which at the end of the day is, you know, fulfillment is the real driver for anybody. So if like that was messing me up somehow, it was making it impossible to have like quality relationships. Okay, then I don't want it. Yeah. But to say like hearing is somehow bad, like it's crazy. What, what uh, sixth sense would you want to have first? Wow. I love it when you ask me things that I haven't thought about. Okay, my initial gut reaction, which I reserve the right to change my mind, my initial gut reaction is the ability to read... Um, and I don't even know what would be giving up. I want to, I want to more accurately be able to capture somebody's state of mind to feel it. Okay. Interesting. So like if you so, were bumming out that I would be like, dude, what's up? Yeah. So if there were an indicator, yeah. you could, which there up, are, maybe. I just don't know what, what, um, outputs you would capture. Like, is it purely visual? Did you know? Did you know these are always my favorite? Probably Did you know not. that there is a there is a uh, therapist bot that records I think sixty inputs from the um, the patient. So they're looking at like micro expressions or looking at posture. They're mm. listening to the way that you're talking, not the words you're saying, but the way that you're talking, and the the stats on how much people like talking to that bot are crazy. First, they don't feel judged. And then second, it's picking up on so many cues that like a normal human wouldn't be able to pick up on that it's pretty accurate at getting to, it probably can't go much beyond like, okay, you might be telling me all the happy things in the world, but you're actually sad, depressed, whatever. But it so accurately identifies what you're really going through that people feel seen. That's super interesting and really powerful. 
Yes. So that's where uh, the machines can, can do a lot of good. Right? And so yeah. that's where I want my implants because if, I can't consciously pay attention to 60 inputs. But if I had something that was synthesizing those 60 inputs and giving it to me, so it was like right. this overall sense of, you know, there's something you're not telling me, you're holding like 82% more tension in your left shoulder, you know, like yeah. whatever that's going to be. But that, as somebody who's interviewed as many people as I've interviewed, I know how useful that would be when people feel like you can read their mind it is it's unbelievable what that does yeah it can be unnerving but it can also be like whoa i feel really connected you guys know i have a very strict diet that i stick to except for very special occasions and i do that so that i can bring my best every day to what i'm doing and a big part of that strict diet is high quality animal protein and my go-to source of trustworthy meats and seafoods with no added hormones or antibiotics ever is ButcherBox. ButcherBox is a premium meat subscription service that delivers 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, pork raised crate-free, and wild-caught seafood all directly to your door. I cannot recommend ButcherBox enough. When you eat ButcherBox, you are giving your body the best possible building blocks to work with so you can reach your full potential. You've got to take care of yourself at a cellular level if you want to hit your peak consistently. So ButcherBox is the key. Sign up at butcherbox.com impact and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off, and that means you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com impact and use code impact to choose your free-for-a-year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. You will never be able to reach your full potential if you are riddled with stress and have a lot weighing on your mind. I can tell you from my own experiences with stress and negative thought loops, you have to find a way to work through whatever it is that's weighing on you if you're gonna have any hope of achieving your goals. Therapy can be an option for working through things and for an online therapy option that is super convenient and flexible, be sure to check out BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, everything is 100% online and getting started is quick and easy. A brief questionnaire matches you with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no extra charge. Get things off your chest, process through things with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash impact theory today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash impact theory. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you wanna have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need and Impact Theory's own Chief Financial 
financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. Well, and think what it could do to an individual who's trying to understand more about themselves. So now you have something that's reading something and giving you that feedback. So taking the quantified self-movement to its next evolution. So now you know, because there's a lot of things happening subconsciously that we're not even aware of unless we really tune into it. That could be powerful. Very true. All right. uh, There's a follow-up here on our current discussion. So this is from Joshua... Uh, Dirksen, I believe. These things sound incredible, but what are the moral implications of taking evolution into our own hands? I think we are too naive about the side effects of brain implants. The question is, should we go down this road? Joshua's a skeptic. Yeah, so, and fair enough. Here's here's my answer to that. You can't stop it. So um, hope, hope is a one-way street. You're always going to move towards hope and, you know, a better future and all of that. And technology is merely hope. That's it. Hmm. Technology is hope. And as long as it is hope and that, you know, people can take an anti-stance on brain implants until their mother has Alzheimer's. And I come and say, with this implant, not only can I stop her Alzheimer's, I'll reverse it. And in 30 days, she'll be exactly the person you remember. Do you want me to do it? Yes or no? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Right. Or your wife or your daughter, your son. And, and then you say, but you have to also implant this thing so we can track your data. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's going to be some sort of exchange. Right. And then I'd have to do it because you yeah. got to do those things for the people you love. So. Right. So I, I just think that um, that... That is the human condition. And the only way to stop hope is a draconian future. Mm. And, and now let's really get controversial. I would rather see us um, destroy ourselves in the pursuit of hope than live these horrifying 1984 futures where you're not even allowed to have certain thoughts. And if right. it even flashes across your face, you're put in prison. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, I'm already terrified enough with how much surveillance there is. So, you know, when I think about... That stuff, that's where it gets freaky, where we become so afraid of each other and so protective of sort of life at all costs um, that, you know, we're keeping people who are literally saying, kill me, kill me, kill me alive on a ventilator just because it's like, you know, the sanctity of life. So um, I I think people need to flourish. um, And if that means that we have to take a certain amount of risk, I'm I am open to that. And I think it's good I don't make policy. Because uh, I don't know that I represent the majority of what people think, but just as my own, where I'm at, that's where I'm at. I don't need anybody to adopt that. Yeah. that's where I'm at. There's a there's a dystopian novel that's rather that's fairly new called The Circle. That's now a movie that's coming out. I heard about that with Emma Watson and, and yeah, and Tom Hanks. Nice. And it's uh, it touches on a lot of the the sort of privacy surveillance mm. issues that I think we're going to be dealing with very soon here and already yeah. are. Um, okay. I want to remind everyone on Facebook, we are live answering your questions. Plus, we're chatting about the episode with David Eagleman that launched yesterday. This is After Impact. You have an opportunity to win the do shirt that Tom is wearing. Boom. There it is. It's up now in the Impact Theory store, so you can order one for yourself, for your friends, for your loved ones, um, or you can win one. All you have to do is share this live feed 
send us a screen grab to connect at impacttheory.com and we will put you in the running. You can also win a do shirt. We're going to open up another giveaway right now. Oh. Go and subscribe to our newsletter. Nice. On impacttheory.com. Nice, nice. You can find, there's a bunch of different places where you can sign up. You'll see it there. It's easy, or it's hard to miss. Um, go sign up for that and send us a screen grab of the welcome letter you get from the newsletter. Nice. Love that. And if Cindy were here, she may just be um, beyond the big black curtain. But um, the impact sub giveaway, we got to get to that. We got to yes. be doing that every week. Because I'm always looking for people, uh, if you've subscribed to the newsletter, then drop into the comments, hashtag impact sub. Whenever you leave a comment uh, on IG, uh, Facebook, YouTube, um, just because I know that's the core of our community. Like the absolute yeah. heartbeat of our community are people that are in the newsletter. It's yep. probably the most intimate thing that I put out. Um, yeah. Even my own wife uh, read it the other day and she's like, Jesus. She's like, these really feel like you. Yeah. So it isn't it isn't so much like um, on Instagram, I'm trying to give somebody a nugget or something that they can take and use. In the newsletter, I'm just talking to a friend. Yeah. Here's what's going on in your life this yeah. week. Here, here are some of your thoughts. And I will say that people who are signed up to the newsletter and who've been following it for a while, um, put in the comments right now what you think of it, um, whether it's bringing you value, what else you'd want to see in the newsletter. We want to make that experience really special for you. Mm. We want it to be an exclusive thing that you're getting um, that you can't get anywhere else. So what else would you want to see in the newsletter? That's the question. Word. Cool. Good question. And if Cindy were also here, she would remind everyone about the Impact Theory League. Yes, on Facebook. <laughs> we can't see you. Yeah. Okay, so Cindy is here. Cindy she has not here. died. She yeah. is still present. We were just, yeah. She's off, off camera. But um, I think we're 10 people away from, from 1,000. So if oh, you're wow. not signed up to the Impact Theory League, go do it right now. That would be amazing. So that we can hit the 1,000 milestone. Nice. Love it. Cool. Uh, this question is from Laura Dufresne. Laura. Good old Laura Dufresne. She always ask questions. Always it's count great. Love it. Love that. What is the most powerful thing you've learned about the brain that changed your entire perspective on how you interact with the world? That the brain is a liar. Now. Did you learn that from inco incognito? <sighs> Can I reveal a secret? Yeah. I ne almost never remember like what book I got any one piece of information um, so I don't remember. Okay. I try to read in like swarms. So when I'm reading about the brain, I'll read a bunch of books about the brain yeah. from a bunch of different authors. And so it all like starts to like the ideas are there, but like who gave it to, I don't remember. Yeah. And I do feel bad because I know these guys pour their heart and soul and I'm so grateful. And at least I could give them credit. So when I remember I do, like he's the one that gave me that notion of the brain exists in total darkness, total silence. And yet it creates this experience where you're seeing things and hearing yeah. things. That was definitely him. Um, so I don't remember where I got this, but, uh, certainly, um, this is something that David talks about, which is that the brain is constructing reality. And once I realized that reality was being constructed, that it isn't objective, yeah. um, and who, oh, uh, we have a guest that we're looking at, um, getting on the show. And so I was watching one of his talks and he went blind. And he talked about, he said, imagine the Jumbotron at your local stadium and how it's made up of all these pixels. And he said the disease that he has is where those bulbs just start going out one at a time. 
And he said, you get to the point where at first it's just like kind of hard to see. And then he said, after a while, your brain starts jumping around. And like at first it's, um, uh, God, what was an example? At first it's uh, like a giraffe. And then, no, it's a forklift. And he was like, you real, like you're actually seeing a giraffe. And then you're actually seeing a forklift. And he's like, whoa. Then he realized my brain is guessing. And that really yeah. what we see as objective reality is is an individualized VR experience. Okay, drink that in yeah. for a second. Yep. You're living in a VR experience. It's amazingly consistent, so you think it's real. And that is where people get fucked up because once it starts becoming like your um, beliefs and that person is attacking me, this bad thing happened to me, those are all lies. They're all guesses. It's all made up. And once you realize that, then you can decide, you can use a different filter. So rather than, oh, it's objective reality, I have to believe it. Objective reality doesn't exist. I could Phineas Gage, Phineas Gage, look him up. Amazing story. He drove a, a what's called a tamping rod through his brain, shot up through his jaw. So he's working on the railroad back in 1892 or whatever. And they used like controlled explosions with like gunpowder and somebody put too much on one or something and he hit it and it shot like a three foot rod up through his jaw out the top of his head he never lost consciousness whoa crazy yeah but it took like what they say like a, a teacup full of brain matter not the amount of brain matter i would ever want to lose and they said uh, his personality changed in an instant and he went from like this really nice guy. He was really cordial, really helpful. And that's how he, because he was one of the like um, managers on the railroad or whatever. He had like a, a pretty high position. And then he was just like a jerk and nobody wanted to be around him. And they're like, what on earth? You change the structures of your brain, everything changes. So my whole thing is like once you realize that, that you are the sort of um, the sum total of your experiences, your hardwiring, uh, genetics, like that you can then take control of that, really put it on a new path, learn different things, believe different things, then you can get yourself going in a much more useful direction. And I find that most people think, well, it's real and therefore like I have to abide by it. Uh, once you break out of that, you really start breaking out of the matrix. And that was something that um, to call back to one of our first episodes, Moran Surf talked mm. in depth about was the ability to um, change that thinking, change your narrative by first changing your memories, by re reconstructing yeah. what you think of the past, because already it's a reconstruction. Already yeah. it's a story you're telling yourself. So why not make it a good one? Yep. David Eagleman talked about that. He said, your memories change in weird and wonderful ways. Because every time you pull a memory forward, think about this for a second. Every time you pull a memory to think about it, whatever, you rewrite it just a little bit when you put it back. Mm -hmm. And so that's why your memories evolve and change over time. That's why people conflate things um, and they think, oh, I remember my parents telling me that at Disneyland or whatever. And your parents are like, we didn't tell you that at Disneyland. That was like at your yeah. you know, seventh birthday party. And you're like, no, 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 I can imagine it purely. And then they pull out a photo and they're like, this, remember? Yeah. And you're like, whoa. And it's like very jarring and disconcerting. And so, yeah understanding that about your brain is critical. And is it also that you're bringing to bear all of the experiences you've had since that memory? Like everything that's shaped you from that time up until the current point where you're drawing back for the memory? 
Yeah, I don't know if it's so, that holistic, but certainly the person that's doing the rewriting is now that new version of you yeah. that is that. So you would shape it in a different way than maybe you would have shaped it 10 years ago. And yeah. so like basically it's, you know, kind of what happens to a Hollywood screenplay when eight different people have touched it. But in this case, it's eight different versions of yourself yeah. rewriting that same memory right. over time at different, is it epics or epochs? Epics. Epics? Yeah. It's weird because it's E-P-O-C-H, so it should be Epoch, in my opinion. Um, But then I refuse to say texted. That sounds sounds ridiculous to me, even though I know it's real. Uh, So epics, like it's, you know, that version of you and those different epics um, rewriting it. So it's pretty interesting. All right, let's jump over to Facebook again for another question. Um... Let's see. By the way, while he looks that up, if anybody is here in LA, ooh, uh, Cindy, maybe you'll know better. I don't know why you would, but uh, as the voice of the community, um, I'm going to be speaking tonight at the Secret Entourage event. Does anybody know? Can I invite people to that? Uh, it's a bar. It's a bar, right? So anybody should be able to come. Um, I'm going to pretend that anybody can come. If yep. you're here in LA, it's in Santa Monica. Uh, we'll post the details. Cindy, can we post details? That would be amazing. Um, I'll be there at 7? Yes, 7 p.m. tonight. So this is for that live audience. 7 p.m. tonight. Come, as always, whenever I speak, barring any weird thing with my schedule, which tonight I do not have, other than I have an episode tomorrow. Is the episode tomorrow really early? I don't think so. So I'll stay and answer questions until the last question is answered. So if that takes us till two in the morning, then till two in the morning, I shall stay. Um, so come check it out. Uh, get any and all questions answered that you want. So details to come. Keep your eye on Facebook uh, for the wins and wares. All right. I'm going to actually ask you one of my own questions. Nice. So uh, David says that the way we create new connections and expand our brain is through new experiences. So he was big on that. Mm -hmm. Um, How important is it for you that you're putting yourself in new situations and experiences? I know you read a lot, but are there other ways you seek novelty in order to create connections? You know, it's interesting. Not nearly enough, I would say. Um, And I was rewatching the episode. I was thinking about that. And I thought, man, like, so the examples that he gives, um, brushing your teeth with your left hand, driving home a a different way. Um, I've done the left-handed brushing a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Driving home a different way I've done a few times. But now, I mean, now with Waze, it's like I'm always just trying to take the fastest way, uh, which can be different. It's also Los Angeles. Yeah, truth. Um, So that is, I think, good but it gets way more interesting when you start talking about learning samba or like mm-hmm. something that's really dramatic and really novel that keeps your brain fresh. And I don't do enough of that. Um, reading really is my my answer to that with ideas in equal ideas out. Yeah. Um, but it's sort of to the side. It's one of those amazing pieces of advice that I'm not taking. It would be great. an interesting question to ask Tim Ferriss, I think. Yeah. That kid is always doing He's super always novel stuff. trying different things. Cool. All right. Uh, here's a question from, again, Joshua Dirksen. He says, perhaps we've always been heading towards this hive mind experience. Do you feel that this is a possibility in the future? Uh, what would it do? I don't know. Like when he says hive mind, I think of like literally coming together yeah. where it's um, so uh, I think that humans so... I'm so speaking now from a Western perspective, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm at least aware of it. 
Um, I think that certainly from a Western standpoint, we so embrace individuality and yeah. reject the notion of being consumed by the, the hive as a whole. I don't see that. And that with my own Western perspective is so dystopian for me um, that I just can't see us naturally coalescing around that. Like I read a story once, I do not remember where, in what book, when, but there was this really fascinating thing where when two people, and this is, I say this because this is where I think we're headed, where when two people come together that they could instantly transfer like their entire universe of knowledge, feeling, everything so that it wasn't me like trying to articulate like this is what I've been through and all that. Like we would jack in, like they had a way to, to there was this thing like tendrils or something that would come and connect and then you would have an instant brain melt. Mm. And that always stuck with me as like how amazing would that be to like be so raw and open and understood by that person that there is no need to um, spin or couch or anything. It's just boom, it's there. Like yeah. they they get it. So you would really become the sum total. So it's like you may have done things that are a bit assholey at times, and I think we all have. But like they would feel in the sum total, but I still get who you are at like the core of your being. And that always fascinated me. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be interesting where you don't have to be transparent if you don't want to be, but that if you wanted to be, you could be it so profoundly that you could have these truly amazing connections with people. Cool. All right, this question is from Chris Berry. Do you think that the insight that our reality is constructed can be used to increase emotional intelligence? specifically emotional self-awareness. I've never thought of it as leading specifically to self-awareness because I think it takes self-awareness to really understand that. But it becomes incredibly usable and when you start thinking about what you want to do, like I will give you that one of the... Um, this this gets complicated and I understand that, but depression, one of the most important things you can do to combat depression is to understand, A, it's just neurochemistry, and B, learn to pump different chemicals by choosing to focus on something upbeat, uplifting, and they've done studies on this. What you focus on will dramatically affect your neurochemistry. So look, there are times where the depression is just so ingrained and so wired that this isn't going to work. But I think especially in the early stages is you're sort of first going down a depressive or um, anxious road. And this is how I've combated anxiety in my own life. Like to focus on instead of all the ways that it could go wrong, you start focusing on all the ways that it could go right. And just knowing that the your brain is telling you a lie by focusing on the obsessively like this could go badly, this could go badly. And so, okay, well, if my brain is going to focus on a lie, because it's just as big of a, you know, sort of lie to say it's going to go right and obsessively focus on that. But I know that if I focus on the negative, that my brain is going to wire for that. I'm going to get more and more anxious. The anxiety then begins to build towards a panic. And right. so now you've really got this problem over here. Or I can focus, hey, it's going right. And I'm forcing myself to focus on it. So it feels super artificial. But in doing that and really focusing on that, um, then it's like I feel empowered and I'm excited. I can't wait. And so one of those is useful and one of them is not. And so that's what you get out of really focusing on the fact that you know, you can choose which of those to let your brain do instead of just going, like letting your mind wander to the negative without saying, I don't have to do that. Like I can force my mind over here. Yeah. Um, if there were one thing, one takeaway from this episode, 
um, that people could could use and apply to their lives? What do you think it would be? Um, from this episode in particular, I mean, there's really uh, two things. So, and we've talked about them both already, but one to be excited by the vastness of what we don't understand mm-hmm. and what I want people to take away from that is to remain open, right? Always be open. So rather than, and, and I remember asking him the question, um, he was interviewing a guy named Sadguru. 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 Yeah. That, have you seen that interview? No. So visually, it was so arresting because Sadguru is, he is like a caricature. He's like all these big flowing robes, this huge white beard. Um, if I remember, I think he's wearing a turban. But it was like he looks like a stereotype of a guru. Like if yeah. you were going to draw a guru for a cartoon, you would draw this guy. So I was like a neuroscientist with like the most guru looking guru ever. Um, like this is going to be weird. It was so awesome. And Sadhguru was amazing, and I want to get him on the show because he is unbelievably interesting. Mm. And I think has he is like the definition of when I say like there is clearly something I don't understand. Okay, so man, when I say I'm not religious, but like there's something I don't know what it is. Like I can't conceive of infinite time. I can't like if every universe is like a soap bubble floating in a froth. What's the froth? Like there's, you can be as recursive as you want and eventually you get to, and there's something I don't understand, right? Right. So just saying that it's, uh, there's more dimensions. It's multidimensional. Okay, well, what are those dimensions sitting in or who created those dimensions or what is time? What, What exists outside of time? Like clearly, we don't understand something. And this guy has the ability to, to go back and forth from like just raw spirituality to science. Like he could sit there with a scientist and not be saying the scientists don't understand what they're talking about. And David Eagleman was hyper capable of talking to Sadhguru and be like, yeah, like this is amazing. Thank you for that insight. And science doesn't know everything. So it was so, so cool. And so it was two people that have an open mind, right? They're, they just want to better understand this human experience. And there are things like um, David Eagleman has said many times, like you want to remove things from the sphere of possibility. You want to be able to say like, okay, we can eliminate that. It's a false path. It doesn't make sense. But that you want to embrace that there's a vastness of things that you just don't yet understand and to, to be open. And I felt the same from Saad Guru. So that, that was just like, when people are truly open to that, it's beautiful. Um, and then the other thing is your brain is lying. And we've gone into so much detail, but those, like, those are two incredibly powerful notions. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. I had a lot of fun with this episode. I hope you guys have all seen David Eagleman on the show. It was so, so much fun. His insights into the brain, just the way the human minds work is unparalleled. I've learned so much from him. Uh, it was really a lot of fun. And I think just the the mechanics of the interview went very, very well. Um, and I think the overall show was great. So hopefully you guys have seen it. Um, this is a weekly show. So if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.